You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. Georgia-Florida week, second time we've come to you this week. We're going to come to you one more time before this game gets going. And, uh, you know, the, the more I think about this game, the more I've covered this week. Practice has been closed all week. Uh, we talked to Jake Fromm on Wednesday Big game, man. It just it seems like it just keeps building. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the, the matchups in this game. Wrote about those earlier today, but we're going to get really in-depth and discuss them. And we're going to talk about kind of where we're leaning um, on this game before we make our picks later this week. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of what we're looking at midweek here. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right in it. And, and Rusty, always come to you first, man. Since we talked on Sunday night, what are your thoughts on this game? Have they changed at all? Have they grown? What has kind of been the evolution of, of the way you think about this football game? Um, you know, if you're a Georgia fan, if you're listening to this, um, obviously through our board, I, I kind of like what I hear because there's a lot of, even though Georgia's a favorite, it almost seems like everybody uh, is is picking, you know, initially like Kirk Herbstreit, he, he said he liked Florida. Uh, you, you know, listen, Desmond Howard, he said he liked Florida, you know, and the, and the reasons are that Georgia hasn't looked great uh, in the South Carolina loss and in the Kentucky game, the way they've been trending. I just think it's one of those games where, you know, it's the poor pitiful me uh, deal. And I think that Georgia is, is really going to, they've played well in that scenario under Kirby Smart. That's one thing uh, I think we can all agree on that, when they've had their backs against the wall a little bit before, and like it is right now, you know, they've came out and responded. So we'll see uh, what they do this week. I, I think, you know, if we're talking individual matchups, you're very interested in, in, in Florida getting their two defensive linemen back. But again, I don't think, I don't see anybody talking about Isaiah Wilson and Andrew, Andrew Thomas, which are, you know, we'll see as the, the, the week goes on and gets more attention to the game. But, uh, those are two pretty damn good tackles. So, you know, I know they've got some guys back, but uh, Georgia got two pretty good offensive tackles that's going to line up crossing those guys. That's going to be great NFL tape. Great NFL tape. Jay, i got a question for you. Always give you a curveball. Advantages to close practice. What's your thoughts? Kirby Smart did it this week. Uh, why would he do that? What's the advantage? What's your thoughts? What Kirby Smart's head? What's he thinking? You know, I really don't know. I, I've, you know, I've kind of talked about this over at the junkyard this week at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. I don't see a big advantage in it because we we really get to see three, four, or five minutes of practice. Uh, you know, maybe if there's some injury stuff that they're trying to keep under wraps. Sure. Um, you know, maybe they maybe they think Lawrence Cager can play, but but they don't want us to know how close to one hundred percent he is. Maybe you want to keep Florida guessing. I'll say this. I've enjoyed it because uh, on on Monday I was at home by three thirty, and that was cool. 
today and uh, today and yesterday, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, I was able to uh, wait until about 4:30 to to head up to practice. I was able to get some stuff done. Freezer went out, so I had to replace that, and that helped give me some time to do that. So, uh, you know, I I really don't know that there's a huge advantage to it. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, I've I've said this from the jump. I mean, you you've got a guy who's running a program, and I'm I've never been one of these media guys that was that just complained about access, that complained about anything like that, simply because, you know, nowhere near close to what Kirby Smart's coaching at in terms of the level of football, but I do know what it's like to try to get a team ready to play and uh, having coached some high school ball. And uh, I just have a lot of respect for coaches and, and whatever decisions they make to try and get their team ready. Um, you know, obviously there are some decisions and some things coaches do out there that's a little over. Overboard, but when it comes to access and something relatively innocuous like that, I, I just I don't pay much attention to it. it. It is what it is. I mean, if you if you gave me the option, you know, if Kirby came up to me yesterday and he said, "All right, you get 20 minutes of practice every day, or 30 minutes of practice every day, or you got to talk to assistant coaches," I'd take the latter because I like to talk to assistant coaches. I think they provide some unique insight, but. Um, ultimately I'm not, I'm not really, you know, feeling that one way or the other there. And, and I, I would, if you, if you put my feet to the fire and said, give me one reason, I think it would probably have to do with injuries, just wanting to keep Florida guessing and keep Florida having sure. to figure out what's going on. Sure. You know, and I, I'll, I'll end on this. You know, we all know him. We all like him. He's a great guy. We all wish him the best in the NFL. Talked to John Lilly this summer. You know, he's now with the Browns. He told me his first week at the Rams he started looking around and the media was there the entire time and he kind of walked over to one of the other coaches and said hey man what time does the media leave because they don't they're here all period every every period all day every day so NFL you you got free reign man there's also a mandatory injury report for that so it's a little bit different um you know there's no guessing there because you have to turn that paper in you know during the week but Different philosophies, and I just kind of was curious what you thought, and kind of what was the pulse of the room uh, with practice being closed this week. Yep, uh, thoughts changing, evolution, anything different than the way you felt on Sunday? I mean, the narrative so far has been Florida is overachieving and Georgia is underachieving. Dan Mullen has got them, you know, a year ahead of where everyone thought Florida would be. Going into the season, this was Georgia's, you know, division, and they were going to represent the East. It was kind of a, you know, the preseason predictions were out there, and it's interesting because like nothing's changed in that regard. I mean, each each season that Georgia has won the East under Kirby Smart, I mean, they have not gone, you know, undefeated. They have in in the SEC competition. It's the same. You know, and, and it hasn't. It didn't happen necessarily a lot earlier in the season either. I mean, Georgia lost that LSU game, you know, last season. Uh, they did lose later to Auburn in, in 2017. But you know, it's the blueprint hasn't changed here. It just, you know, with and it's interesting because just with the way they lost the South Carolina game, Jake brought this up on the earlier show. I mean, the LSU game, the Auburn game, those losses, those those were bad losses you know this is south carolina game went to overtime you know they had opportunities to win the game and, and weren't able to get it together it's just interesting how you know on paper it's a better loss to a 
you know, subpar or a a program that in South Carolina that isn't seen as as good as the other teams, but probably an equal performance overall. I mean, getting blown out by uh, by a good team and then playing a maybe average team really close. And there's not a huge difference in those on-field performances, and yet the narrative has been just completely different uh, this season because uh, I guess, you know, you look at the preseason expectations. Are they that much different than they were heading into 2018, heading into 2017? I mean, Georgia is and has been ranked inside the top 10, you know, most seasons. They spend a lot of time in that realm. So I don't see we're really the expectations have really changed. It's just that Georgia has gotten so close to winning it all. Uh, you know, that's they're, everyone's ready for them to take that next step, and they still have the ability to do that. So in that realm, I don't think my thought has really changed on how important the game is or how capable Georgia is of winning. I think one thing that everyone is talking about, the, the Florida defensive ends being healthy, you know, and, and Jake mentioned that, the media not having, you know, access to practice. If Georgia has Lawrence Cager, you know, close to 100%, if Georgia has Tyson Campbell playing close to 100%, and if Georgia has a healthy Solomon Kinley playing close to 100%, I mean, that's three key starters that Georgia would have back into, you know, onto the team. And, Obviously, we've seen the impact that not having Lawrence Cager has had to Georgia's downfield passing attack and what they want to do offensively. And we've seen how the offensive line is played when they have those five starters playing their natural positions. When Ben Cleveland is at right guard, you know, it was Solomon at left guard and with Isaiah Wilson healthy at right tackle, what the offensive line is capable of doing. So I, I think, you know, overall, looking at that, if Georgia is healthy, I mean, they have a great shot. And so that's kind of what I've thought from, from Sunday to now is, is that I'm watching to see how healthy they are. When they line up, you know, and the game starts, are those guys back to where they were before and are, and are they starting? That's, that's what, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing on Saturday, and it looks like we won't really know you know, based on the availability, we're, we won't know in, until kickoff and they start lining up an offensive defense who they have out there. Uh, but but that's kind of where my thought process is right now. Absolutely. And and I'll say this, Kip, you brought up that good point about Solomon Kinley and him being 100 percent. They sent Solomon Kinley up to talk to us on Monday, on Monday at media day. And they don't do that when guys are really battling an injury or there's a uh, you know, that, that's just something that they kind of take off their plate, I guess, for treatment purposes and things like that. So I think that's a good sign uh, because you you look at this offensive line and for for several games this year, whether it was when Isaiah Wilson was out or whether it was in Solomon McKinley was dealing with his ankle injury. You didn't have your starting five. You didn't have the five that you repped all sp- all spring, all preseason out there to together and yet Georgia has the talent to still play well on the offensive line but you want to fire on all cylinders you need all the cylinders in place and and I think getting Solomon Kinley back could be huge for this game and I think it's really big uh, for the run game and just the ability to get movement there at the point of attack I know one of the things that's intrigued me is this betting line it starts at six and a half falls down to as low as three jumps back up to six and a half 
my my thinking on that, and and I believe Sports Insights the the uh, the website reported something on this, but I haven't been able to find it myself. I, I had somebody tell me about it earlier today, uh, but I believe that you know obviously the public jumped on this bet whenever it was six and a half points, pushed it all the way down, and then some big money, some not necessarily a bunch of bets, but a few big bets came up on it to help push it back up to six and a half. And it, it, betting lines are fascinating to me because you you look at them and folks want to say, well, you know, this is this and this is that based on that. And it's, it's really tough to do because, listen, the the fact that they keep folks guessing on these things and, and the unpredictability about it is why those buildings are so nice and it's not that expensive to stay at the Bellagio, okay? It's not that, not that expensive to stay in, in some of those nice places in Atlantic City. It's just... They, they, they build these places and they get you to go gamble and, and that's what it's all about. But uh, that, that has really intrigued me. I felt like this was a little bit of a sucker line from the beginning because usually when you see a line and it's like, man, that's high, usually that's kind of the feeling you get right away and, and, and that's kind of how I thought about it. But I'm with Kip on this. The, the, the magnitude of this game has not changed one bit. This is – this is the season for both of these teams because both of these teams came into the season wanting to play for the college football, play in the college football playoff, to play for the SEC championship game, to to finish 12 and 0, 11 and 1 in the regular season, uh, and and the team who loses this game has to go back to the drawing board and figure out a way to stay up and stay motivated for the rest of the year. And you know they'll deny that. You know you I don't care if you're talking to. Jake Fromm or Kyle Trask or DeAndre Swift or LaMichael P. Ryan or whoever after this game, they'll say, oh, we're just going to go out and compete. We're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, dwell on this thing for 24 hours just like we do it if it was a win, and then we're going to go back to the drawing boards. Well, that's not the case. They're, they're, it, Monday practice for, for each of these teams is going to be a little bit of a chore. Or if, I'm sorry, for, for either team that wins, uh, that loses, sorry. Uh, I'll get this right in a second. But whoever lo- whoever loses this game is going to have a tough time getting going on Monday, and 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 the coaching staff is going to have a heck of a job in front of them. So that's that's what I'm I'm kind of looking at in this one. I think there's going to be two desperate football teams, two very motivated football teams, and ultimately, the more I think about it, the team that ha- keeps its composure, the team that doesn't get the 15 yard penalties, the team that takes care of the football, and I know that's you know basically cliche at this point is the one that's going to win this game. Uh, we're going to talk about matchups here in just a second, and we're going to talk about the key matchups that are going to decide this game. Uh, but before I do, before we do that, we're going to let the folks read some ads, but also I want to bring up something else. And this is how uh, – this is a new offer over at CBS Sports uh, – sorry, not CBS Sports, at 247 Sports. It's from CBS. It's CBS All Access. And this is going to come free with a Dogs 247 subscription – any 247 sports subscription, this is what's going to come with it. And basically, you get all sorts of benefits from this. You get the SEC CBS game of the week. You get NFL CBS. You get your local CBS uh, news and network coverage. You get uh, over 100 uh, you know, show, shows and, and, and original shows. You get so much for this, and it comes absolutely free with your Dogs 247 subscription or subscription to any 247 sports site. Just one more reason to give us a try, and uh, and we look forward to having you over there because it's an it's an amazing park. 
Uh, and it's something that's going to be available for annual, whether you sign up for a yearly, whether you sign up monthly, it's available to everybody, no additional cost, and it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, so that's something we wanted to inform you guys to check out. But before we move on to, to matchups, uh, let, let's take a look real quick. Uh, let, let's let these folks uh, read their ads real quick, and we'll hit you up on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Uh, moving on to matchups. And I, I want us each to have one matchup here. And and you know to the the key matchup that's going to decide this game the, the the matchup you're watching the most uh, and, and I'm going to start with you Kip because I know that you've kind of looked at this game through several different angles. What are your thoughts on the one key matchup, the one matchup you'll be watching? Well, like I said before, I know a lot of people are going to be looking out. You know, the edge, the left tackle and right tackle for Georgia against Florida's edge guys. But but I'm really looking to see what Trey Hill does on the interior. I think that, again, when we talk about Georgia potentially having a healthy starting five offensive line, all those guys playing their natural position, you know, the, you know, the one position that's kind of been up and down this season for the most part has been Trey Hill at center, his first year starting there. I think that this game gives him an opportunity as far as just a confidence booster against you know Adam Schuler and Kyrie Campbell you know these are guys that have been up and down in their level of play so far this year I think that you know you've seen their linebackers struggle uh, dealing with you know getting getting to the running back you've seen like Ventrell Miller David Reese unable to fill the gap because they've they've been entangled and not able to shed an offensive lineman and, and so when you look at Schuler and Campbell, you know, the fact that they haven't dealt well as far as, you know, gap assignment, as far as just uh, the double teams. And I think that with Kinley, with Cleveland, you know, playing healthy and, and playing, again, the spot they're, they're, you know, they had the most experience playing. I do think that Trey's going to be able to focus and, and concentrate on, on his snap quality, on his run blocking. And I think that bodes well for Georgia in the run game. I think, again, uh, th- that's kind of where I'm looking at because I think it, at the end of the day, we can talk about Georgia's offense. Everyone wants to see certain things as far as explosive plays, plays downfield. But, you know, that interior run play still has to be there. And it can't be, you know, DeAndre Swift, Brian Harrion, you know, being hit at the line of scrimmage. They have to be able to get to that second level on a couple interior runs as well. Just opens everything else up, keeps that defense honest, makes those safeties start creeping toward the line. You know, they have to keep their eyes on them more. It helps the whole offense flow. And I really think a big part of that will be the interior line, especially Trey Hill, you know, coming to play 
and and having you know one of his better games in his first season as a starter. So that's you know that's something I'm kind of watching right now. I really want to see you know him improve on the snap quality, get a better push at the line of scrimmage in the run game. And, and again, I think that really bodes well for what Georgia wants to do offensively, regardless of the game plan, how many wrinkles, you know, whatever they've done differently in the bye week, that still has to be the focus for their offensive success on Saturday. Rusty, where are you at on this, man? <clears throat> kind of watching the, the DBs, C.J. Henderson, Kair Elam, Trey Dean, uh, those guys against Georgia's wide receivers. You know, I, I really feel – that um, you know, Todd Grantham uh, loves to bring pressure. We all know that. He brings the uh, different pressures. Uh, he'll do zone blitzes, any type of things he can do, corner blitzes, anything he can do to put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, and that leaves his guys in a lot of man-to-man situations. So when you are confident your guys can cover, and you know, with the South Carolina blueprint of basically, you know, Muschamp stacked the box and said, our, our DBs are better than your guys. And I'm interested in that uh, matchup of Lawrence Cager and, and uh, Demetrius Robertson and those guys versus those Florida DBs because I'm telling you, that is a huge piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, this weekend, can Georgia, can they win some of those uh, uh, battles there, get off the line of scrimmage? You know, how would James Coley help those guys? You know, I, I've been one that's preaching – uh, a lot, you know, the the, the stack formations uh, to get your guys more free release, the rub routes, anything you can do to create separation because Florida's going to play man-to-man, and they're going to man those guys up. So really, you know, just kind of touching on some things a little bit, I'm very interested in that DBs, the Florida DBs. And Kyer Elam's a guy that, you know, we, we were very aware of him. Uh, Georgia recruited him pretty hard um, and wind up getting Tyreek Stevenson, I believe in that class, but but um, you look at those DBs against Georgia's wide receivers, and, you know, Georgia's wide receivers have got to win some of those battles. They've got to get uh, vertical, you know, and I think Jake Fromm will take some shots with those guys, but we'll see on Saturday. That's, that's definitely a matchup that will get talked about a lot the next two or three days. You know, I, I look at this game, and, you know, there are, there are a few different ways you can go on something like this, but one thing that really intrigues me is Georgia's defensive backfield against these wide receivers and, and Kyle Pitts. And, and when I wrote about it today, I said Georgia's entire defense against Kyle Pitts because it's going to be a defensive end jamming him at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a linebacker jamming him at the line of scrimmage. It's going to be a Georgia sending a safety at him in coverage. It's going to be a linebacker on him in coverage. And Georgia has to execute well there. They're not going to limit him to nothing uh, but but you look at what Cole Komet did against Georgia in the first half and then what Georgia was able to kind of limit him to in the second half. And, and I think Georgia may be able to pull off of that as a learning experience. But the, but the defensive backs against the wide receivers really kind of piques my interest simply because uh, this is kind of a two-way thing here. And what I mean by that is, yeah, Georgia's played, you know, Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway and Josh Palmer from Tennessee. And those guys are really good. I think just as good – as, as any three Florida's going to put on the field, but Florida's got like six or seven of them. They've got six or seven defensive, I mean, not sorry, six or seven wide receivers that can flat play the game. And and they're dangerous, and they make plays, and they do good things with the ball. I mean, they, they check off all the boxes. They can beat you deep. They can route you up. They can they can uh, catch underneath passes in, in tight coverage. They can catch 50-50 balls, catch short passes, and turn them into long gains. They can do it all. 
And I think on the flip side of that, this is the most complete secondary, especially if Tyson Campbell is back, that Florida's faced all year. Yeah, they played LSU with with, with Stingley and and Delpit, who I, I'm I couldn't be higher on those two guys. But Georgia's got six, seven defensive backs that they can run out there and defend this Florida passing attack with. And I'm just really interested to see how it plays out because when you look at the Florida offensive line, it's a little bit of a trickle-down effect. If Georgia can cover and cause Kyle Trask to, Trask to hold the football, then all of a sudden you get the chance to expose that offensive line a little bit. You get a chance to create some pressure that may – uh, not be there right away, and and that's going to be key in this game. Is taking away the first read, taking away the second read, making him hold on to the football because Auburn got pressure on Kyle Trask and he fumbled the ball four times and lost three of them. So getting hits on the quarterback is big in this game. He can hold up to him. He's tough as nails, six five, two hundred forty pounds, big time football player, big time competitor, and, and I really really respect him as a player after watching you know so much of Florida from this season. Uh, but Georgia's got to hit him, and I think it starts with the secondary because, you know, there there are quarterbacks. If if you're allowing that first read to be there, and he's taking three steps and it's out, nobody's going to get to him. You're you're very rarely going to get a chance to hit him. Your best chance is going to be to bat a ball in the air. So it starts with the secondary in this game, and and I think that that matchup is key because you don't just need great corner play. You got to play well at the nickel spots, and you got to play well at safety. And Georgia has to find a way to cover these double moves a little bit better, to read max protection a little bit better, to keep things in front so they're not giving up the big play in the passing game, something that's kind of plagued them uh, in SEC East play thus far, especially against South Carolina and Tennessee, and, and that's what I'll be watching. Rusty, uh, last thing we last thing we got going here, a little roundtable thing before we end the show, uh, your midweek lean on this game, what are your thoughts? Obviously, we'll pick the game on, uh, on on either late Thursday night or Friday morning, but where are you leaning as of midweek? I'm leaning to Georgia. I mean, I, I, I kind of touched on a little bit. Um, you, know, there, you know, even with that Vegas line, which is crazy how that's done this week, um, I still think that the that, that, that Georgia – we haven't seen the best Georgia team yet. Uh, we all know what this team has, what they're capable of. They haven't put it together. If they're going to, this is the week. Everything's on the table. Um, there'll be no shortage of a team that will be fired up, ready to play. They may not win the game. But if you're if you're wanting your money's worth out of Georgia Bulldogs, as a Georgia Bulldog fan, you're going to get it Saturday, and, and and we'll touch on this Friday, but this is the shortest handshake you'll ever see after a game, ever. Last year was 20, 20 milliseconds, maybe. Uh, that that locker room will be juiced. It's going to be about turnovers. Jake, I like what you said about getting the trask a little bit. Um, I just really feel the national vibe, the narrative right now, is, is Florida's the team, and I don't know that they're they're that team yet. But they're pretty damn impressive. This is going to be a really, really fun game to watch how it all unfolds because coming off these bye weeks, you know what 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 changes could each team make, and, and you'll see some changes. But uh, we'll talk about more of that Friday on, on some of the things I think you may see in this game. Kip, what's your what's your midweek lean on this one? Well, it it, it all comes down to I, I do think Florida's playing a little bit with house money here. But if we're talking about the team that. If, if if they're playing their best, which team should win the game? It still should be Georgia. I mean, we know that they're the more talented team. 
And we know that Georgia has been inconsistent offensively this year. For the most part, defensively, they've been fairly sound. I mean, they haven't really had an off game, I believe. They still, they've, again, we know they have yet to allow a, a rushing touchdown, but I think the most points they've allowed in, in, in regulation is 17 points. I mean, you, you take that all day, you know, if you, so if that's the, the maximum amount of points your defense is allowed, I mean, you're still playing pretty well. So I, I think that it still boils down to can Georgia have someone that can stretch the field at wide receiver. And while they don't have a number one, I do think that now if Cager is back, they have four number two guys, really. I mean, when you look at this this group, uh, you look at what Dominic Blaylock does, you know, after the catch. You look at what Pickens can do in tough <laughs> contested situations and you look at how dependable Lawrence Cager has been as a guy who came in with a reputation for you know having drop issues here and there he's he's been their most dependable guy so far this season and and Demetrius Robertson has played well you got guys that you know haven't been exceptional but haven't been bad either. You know, they're getting this rep of of not having a group that they can go out there and line up and, and beat you with, but they, they absolutely do. And I think that, you know, when you have the bye week and you have time to, you know, do that self-scouting, but also, you know, when people start questioning you, uh, you know, it could push you to a greater level of play. And I think that that group getting, you know, the outside noise, you're told to ignore it, but, you, I mean, the coaches know they can use it to motivate your players when you need them to. And, and I think this is an opportunity for Georgia's pass-catching group to go out there and show that they have the capability to to make it happen when they need to. And I think that Saturday it's definitely a recipe. I mean, it's setting up well for them to go out there and have a showcase game. And so, yeah, while we've seen them, you know, have difficult games, one, you can question whether or not how much the weather played a factor. The other, I mean, they just straight up did not get it done. But when they play to their best, they are still one of the, you know, the best teams in the country. I, I, I think Georgia has everything it needs to go out there and, and win the game on Saturday. I mean, they just got to suit up and play. And we're going to, you know, we're going to find out a lot about this team and, and about the game plan that they had for Florida you know, on Saturday, that's that's really the most intriguing part of this game is what's Georgia's plan to to quiet all the doubters? I mean, are they going to go out there and just win by by just straight up running the ball, you know, down Florida's throat? Uh, a team that has struggled against the run, and a team that also doesn't run the ball exceptionally well against the Georgia defense that is very strong against the run so far this year. I mean, the strength on strength shows you that, again, Georgia should be able to, to perform pretty well in that regard, but are they going to come out there and make a statement that, you know, guys, we can throw the ball as well? It's very intriguing to me, but either way you slice it, uh, Georgia has the capability to come out of this game with a win. Uh, I, I'm not sure it's going to be, you know, uh, a double-digit win for either team, but but I do think that you got to look at Georgia's chances and, and like them right now. Uh, and we'll we'll see how healthy they are when they show up because it's just a very interesting aspect uh, for both sides. Uh, Florida is seen as getting healthy. 
we don't know how healthy Georgia is right now, but you know, with the bye week, you'd like to think that they're going to be able to get some guys out there they didn't have there before. Man, when I look at this game, there's two sides to the coin, and it starts. <clears throat> excuse me, it starts on on one hand, the national narrative of you know it doesn't seem like Georgia. You know, yeah, I understand that that Georgia is the favorite, but when you hear a lot of these you know, pundits and prognosticators talking, uh, they're, they're not really high on Georgia. And I get it. You know, I heard Bruce Feldman uh, on the Ryan Russillo podcast talk about, you know, kind of how, you know, Georgia just, just, there's just something off. And I understand that. But I also think that kind of works in Georgia's favor that, that, you know, you get to play the underdog role and, and, you know, I, you know that the apple didn't too far, too far from the tree, the Nick Saban coaching tree that is. When it comes to being able to, uh, you know, manufacture some disrespect, so I think Georgia's probably done that this week. Uh, I also look at the guys Georgia has coming back and 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 you getting healthy. I think that helps a lot. But then on the other hand, I look at the fact that Florida has just been a more consistent football team this year. And yeah, they struggle with Miami and they struggle with with uh, with my um, uh, Kentucky. But they've been very consistent since Kyle Trask came into the fold. I looked at that South Carolina game, and Trask played you know, really well late in that game and, and was able to get them a win. Uh, I look at the way they played against Auburn, and, yeah, they had some turnovers, and but they forced some turnovers. And, and just don't like the up-and-down nature of the way Georgia has played this season. And I also think the offense is just going to need some tweaks, and I'm not 100% sure that they're sold that that's the case. And so – uh, that's just kind of the way I look at it right now. Um, my Tuesday lean, I mean, uh, sorry, not Tuesday, it's Wednesday. Uh, my, my Wednesday evening lean is, I don't know, man, I don't, I'm not going to cop out and say I pick them, but maybe a tiny bit towards Florida right now. I do think Georgia has a, I, I'm, I'm totally with you guys. Georgia plays its best game. Florida plays its best game. Georgia wins. I just don't know about the consistency of this football team and how it's going to look coming out of the bye week. And, and that's that would be what I kind of point to there. So if I've got to pick one way, I would say, you know, 50 and a half Florida, 49 and a half Georgia. But it's still midweek and we got some time to figure this thing out and get a different vibe on it. Uh, that's going to be it for today's show. We're going to go ahead and wrap this bad boy up and, and we're going to come back to you. Like I said, Thursday night, Friday morning, we're going to have our picks. We're going to have our concerns about this game. We're going to have players of the game. We're going to knock all of that out, cover it. Just the last few nooks and crannies of this thing uh, before it's played. But for this episode of the Junkyard Dogcast, I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, and you guys take care. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.